Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Yes, he does. I love music. I love listening to songs. And this song just hit me when I was preparing for this sermon. And it was just like, wow, God. Yes, you do. I think of this song and I think of like where the artist is writing from. And I was like, man, I've been in that place where I knew God and life happened. And I found myself in brokenness again, and I found myself trying to figure out what's going on. And I just, I can see myself asking those same questions. Do you still heal the broken, God? Do you still, do you still love us? Do you, do you still run to the hurting? Because at points, I, I'm at that point. You know, I'm, I'm hurting, I'm broken, and I need you. And I just hear those words, yes, he does. Yes, he does. And that's what we're going to talk about today is just God's love and his endless pursuit of us and just wanting to be with us. And so I've entitled this, I've titled this sermon, A Love Like No Other, because his love is like no other. One that we cannot explain. We just don't get, but it is like no other. We got to listen to Celebrate Recovery's testimony. And if you want to know what God's love can do, you just listen to those. And hear what God came in and, and the brokenness that was going on and how he just came in with his love and just showed these people how amazing they are in his eyes. Yes, he does. He loves us so much. His endless pursuit, his love is so amazing. Let us not forget that. Let us remember that today. And I hope at the end of this sermon that you, you go encouraged knowing that the God of this universe loves you so much. We're going to start with our first scripture, and it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. And I was thinking about, how do you, how do you wrap up God's love in, in a verse? And, and this verse came across, and I was like, this is it. This really wraps it up for me. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring a char- any charge against those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I said that's a lot to listen to but it really helps us understand God's relentless love for us. That Christ interceded on our behalf 
And it was all motivated by love. And it was all intentionally focused on us. You know, I, I look at Scripture and I, I see so much of, of Christ's love. And I, I, I sit there and I go, this is the most important thing. If we don't get God's love and we don't understand God's love, then we miss it all. Because we can follow all the rules, we can listen to all, all those things, but if we don't see what God's love is, then we miss it all. Because it is so important. And it's actually a question that's asked to Jesus when he is on earth. He was asked by one of the religious experts, what are the most important commandments? What's the most important thing that we need to know? And in Matthew chapter 23 through 30, or chapter 22, verse 36 through 40, he answers this because the expert of the law is asking, what is the most important commandment? He says, what do you think? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So when I look at that, I see the first one. It says, to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And when I see that, I see that it needs to be with effort. There's an effort associated with this love. It's not just like, I love God. There's an effort associated with it. I want you to pour your heart, your soul, your mind into this. I want you to put all of you into this, and I want you to love me just as much as I love you relentlessly. And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. I don't think we can do the second without the first. We have to have the love of God in our hearts in order to love our neighbors as ourselves because we cannot love our neighbors as ourselves in our own human strength. We will fail. We will fail. We'll fall short. Our energy, our patience, everything will wear out. But if we love God and we understand how God loves us relentlessly and unconditionally, we are able to go into this world and continue to love others. It takes effort. You know, I hear that word, you know, we say that word a lot to, to the people that we know, the people, our family members, our loved ones. I love you. Are we really giving the effort to show it? Recently, I was going through a marriage series with my wife. We were going and watching this video series through our Right Now Media app, and it was called A Lifelong Love by Gary Thomas. And he brought up a point to me that just stuck with me. He said, we as nat naturally as humans... We drift. And you know, we don't drift in the positive direction. We drift in the negative direction. So I can say I love my wife. And I can just say it. But if I just go about my day and just try to get through the busyness of life, and that's really what happens. You get married. You're so excited. You have the infatuation. You have, oh, we're just this newlywed. We're honeymoon phase. And then life happens. We get so busy. And then we're starting to have conversations about, man, I just can't wait to get to the end of this week. And you're like, well... People would ask you, like, do you love your wife? Yeah, I love my wife. And we say it, but we're not, we, the effort starts to fall behind. And we start to drift apart. And I found myself in that, in my own marriage, where we were drifting. I was like, yeah, I love my wife, but I stopped saying the words I love you. I stopped, I started just being so busy with life, so focused on what everything was, my to-do list, the this, 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 and it looked like by the end of it, we finally got focused and we're like, we're drifting. And we're drifting in the negative. We're falling away from each other. We need to really be intentional with what we're doing because we are not putting in the effort and what's naturally happening is we are falling apart. 
The same thing happens with our relationship with God. If we just say, yeah, God, I go to church and I love you, but we're not putting in the effort, we're not really praying and seeking him and really genuinely having that relationship with us, we as humans are naturally going to drift. If I say, I want to have a better relationship with God, let's just hope it happens. It's not going to. It's like me saying, you know what? I'm going to get really physically fit this year and I'm going to run a marathon and let's just hope it happens. Yeah, right. I'll probably end up doing the opposite. I'll probably be in worse shape if I just allow myself to drift because there'll always be an excuse that comes up. Well, I'm too busy. I got too much stuff going on. I wanted to do this, but it just didn't happen. We naturally as human beings beings drift in the negative. And that stinks. I wish we drifted in the positive. You know how nice that would be? We just like all of a sudden just, hey, I'm just going to just hope it works out. And it just did. But it doesn't. And I think about this with our kids and raising our kids and how intentional we got to be with our kids. And if we just say, you know, I love my kids. Yeah, you're feeding them, you're clothing them, you're getting them to school. But are you being intentional with them? Are you really focusing on them and giving them the love that they need? Because I talk to junior high and middle school students as the youth pastor here. And I have kids come up to me in middle school and high school and say, my parents just don't know me. They don't understand me. Well, what happened? I don't know. They get older, and just like teenagers do, they isolate themselves. They don't want to interact with you. And as parents, we kind of just, okay, they just don't want to talk to me. And we drift to the point we just lose connection with our own kids that we love. It's easy when you have the toddler that runs up to you and says, Daddy, I'm so excited to see you all the time. It's hard when you have the teenager that's isolating themselves, getting distracted by all the things that are around us, getting sucked into our devices. And we are seeing that statistically that our youth are getting more and more depressed. Our youth are dealing with more anxiety, more feelings of loneliness than ever before. And this was before COVID. So what I'm going to tell you is they need you more than ever now. And they need your effort. You know, Jesus answers this question of who my neighbor is after the expert asks him, what is the most important commandment? Because he was really trying to figure out who his neighbor was because he wanted to justify himself. So it says in scripture in Luke 10, verse 28 through 38. And he says that question, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, and he replied with a story called the Good Samaritan. And a lot of us have heard this story. It's a very, very known story of a man who was robbed and beaten and left on the roadway to die. And there's three people that pass this man and three different, well, I guess one different reaction. The first person that passed this man was a priest. And I think that, like, you know, a priest, he should know what to do. He should have the love and the kindness. And if he sees this man beaten and broken on the road, he's going to do what God has called him to do. And he's going to show this love. Well, the priest passes on the other side and does not help the man. I'm too busy. I got too much stuff going on. I don't know the man. I don't know what excuse they came up with. But in order to walk past somebody like that, you have to have an excuse. Apparently what you're doing right then at that moment is so much more important that you have to walk past that man. And the second man, a Levite, walks by and he does the same thing. Now, the third man, known as the Good Samaritan, 
does something different. Now, you, to understand the context of this, like, the Jewish people didn't like the Samaritans. It's like me saying the good politician. It doesn't make sense. No, I'm just <laughs> the good Samaritan. He walks past this man, and not only does he bandage him and puts him on his donkey and takes him to an inn, he also says, I want to pay for whatever expense that it's going to take to get this man back on his feet. That was very inconvenient. But he did it. And it wasn't because he had a special title or he was expected to do it. You know, sometimes we're like, well, you're the pastor. You're supposed to do these things. This is where Jesus kind of trumps that. And he says, I'm calling all of you to love your neighbor as yourself. I don't care what title you have. I don't care what you're expected to do, what people think you should do being the person that you are, because they probably thought, oh, the Samaritan, he's, he's a jerk. He's just going to walk by. Why would he help a Jewish person? We don't like each other. But instead, he does the right thing. And I came across this video, and I want you guys to watch it, because visually watching it is different than just me reading it. Because visually watching it, you can see how awkward this moment is. So we're...
when you watch that, it's kind of difficult to see the people walking by him. And that's why I think that visual is so huge because do they obviously see that there's a need for this man? Yes. But they disobey what God is calling them to do because what they're focused on is more important. And this is where I think of like the idea of being inconvenienced. And it might not be as like straight in your face like someone bleeding on the middle of the roadway. It might be in a different way where you see somebody hurting somebody who needs something, who's somebody who's, who's just, you, you just see the brokenness and you go, God is calling me to go talk to that person, but I just got too much stuff on my plate. And just like the priest or the Levite, you're walking by. And God is calling us to give love to our neighbor, and sometimes it's inconvenient. And you know what? If we're going to sit there and say that our plans are more important, then we're not going to be following God's plan. We're going to be so focused on what we want to do and not what God wants to do in our lives and what amazing change God can do with our lives if we're open to showing that love or or experiencing that love. You know, there's something different about it. So when I was uh, preparing for this sermon, I didn't know I was going to preach on. And uh, I went to the men's trailhead where John Ehrman and, and Stephen were part of getting that thing going. And it was just a, a men's group Bible study type thing where they kind of got all the men in the church together. And I was like, I want to go to that. And I wanted to go on Friday. And on Friday, I got held over at work. And I was like, ah, oh, this stinks. Like, should I just not go because I missed the first one? And I was like, no, I, I want to go. So I went in the, the morning, they did their morning breakfast and all that stuff that was going on. And uh, they asked um, before, like I had gotten a note from Stephen, says, hey, we're going to be talking about something that's, that's, that matters to us. I want you to bring something that's important to you. And then we're going to talk about it as a group of guys. And I was like, okay, well, what, what, what's important to me? And I was thinking about all these different things of, of, of things that have happened in my life and the experiences I've had. And I was like, okay, what, what matters to me? What sticks out in my head more, more than anything? And... Uh, I started to think about a woman that I once knew who used to babysit me. And her name was Helen. And I called her Grandma Helen. And she used to watch me. I was not her grandchild, but I called her Grandma Helen. And she would watch me, and she would take care of me, and she loved me. Um, And I knew her all the way from when I was little, little, all the way up until I was in college, uh, where she ultimately passed away at that point. But there was something that really Grandma Helen did that stuck out to me. And uh, as a young kid, I was in junior high school or elementary school at the time, and, and Grandma Helen asked me what I was interested in and what I, was, what I was doing. She would always ask how I'm doing and things like that. And I said, well, I've been collecting these quarters, Grandma Helen. See, they came out with these new state quarters that have each state's coming out with a quarter, and then you can collect them and you can get all 50 states. So as a young kid, I was really excited about this. And I wanted to collect all these quarters. And, and Grandma Helen says, oh, that's so, that's so awesome. You're doing that. And she said, I'm going to help you. I said, okay, you know, because I couldn't go find these quarters or anything. She said, I'll just get you one when I go to the bank. And uh, every time a new quarter came out, I'd come to church on Sunday. I'd see Grandma Helen, and she'd be coming up to me. Chris, I got you one. And this is what she would do. And I kind of mimicked what it, she would have. She'd have it wrapped in a little baggie like this. Because she wanted to keep it pristine. And she'd give it to me and she'd say, I got you the newest one. Here you go. Well, 
thank you, Grandma Helen. I was so grateful for it. Now, as a young kid, I didn't have the patience. I didn't have the you know, consistent <laughs> consistency to keep up with collecting these. Like most things, you get excited about collecting something, and it just dies off. And these took forever for all 50 states to come out, but every time a new one came out, Grandma Helen had her little quarter for me to give me. And I had lost interest at this point. I don't even know where I had my collection at. And she's showing up. Every Sunday, a new quarter came up and giving me my little bag. And I sit there and I go like, yeah, this is only 25 cents. But it's worth so much more. Because she showed me how much she cared about me with her intentional love to think about me, to do, to do things that matter to me, and to show that she's, she cares for me. And it was just in a small act of doing this. But it mattered so much. So then I start hearing the stories from these men in the circle, and they're telling these stories of how these people gave or did something for them. One of them I remember had a cross necklace, and he said, the pastor who reached out to me, who shared me the love of Christ, gave me this cross necklace, and it matters the most to me because it transformed my life. I'm like, Wow. There's something different about every story that we're telling. There's something consistent, too, in it that's, that's a common theme. And the common theme that I came across is that they were intentional with their love. And so I came up with three things to describe this intentional love and why it matters so much more than any other love. See, I talked about, like, I can tell my wife I love her. I can tell my kids I love them. And it's just not going to be as as impactful as if I'm not given the effort to show it. But the things about intentional love that stick out the most to me is, for one, it's freely given. It's freely given. They don't expect a response out of you. They don't expect anything from you. You know, in my, my marriage, personally, I would do things to show love to my wife. Why? Because I wanted a reaction out of her. I wanted something in return. I wanted her to, to smile and give me something in return and that wasn't the right motive. If I'm showing her genuine love and intentional love, I should freely give it because I genuinely love her. But instead, my, my human mind, my human tendencies was to, to do something, to get something in return. Well, that doesn't, it just basically sucks the life out of what you're doing. It makes it not matter as much. So it's freely given. The next thing is it's focused. It's focused on the person it's going after. It's not like, I gen like, oh, here, guys, here's a bunch of stuff. Love you. But I focus that attention, and I Grandma Helen did this for me. It was focused just for me. I just picture her little hands getting this quarter and all excited to give it to me that Sunday. And it just fills me with joy that she did that. By the way, I was devastated when they told me she wasn't actually my grandma. <laughs> so then I told her, it doesn't matter. She's still my grandma. <laughs> um, but it's focused. It's focused on the person. Your, 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 your attention, your intensity, everything is on that person. And here's the last thing. It's forever remembered. You don't forget these moments. You don't forget when intentional love is demonstrated to you. 
You know, I was thinking about a scripture and I was like, the disciples, man, they really got to experience a lot with Jesus. But if they were asked, what was the most important time? What was something that stuck out to you the most when you're with Jesus? And I sit here and I think of this theme of intentional love. And what comes to my mind is the washing of the feet. You know, I, Peter walked on water, uh, all these other things. They watched people get healed, demons come out. But I think this would have stuck out the most to them. And it was interesting that Jesus did this in the last days he was with them to demonstrate his love for them. It says, it was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon the Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from his meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. So I picture Jesus intentionally getting down below the disciples, grabbing that basin of water and a towel and wiping the dirt from each disciple's feet. This was a job for a servant. This is the job for the lowest person in the house to wash these people's feet. And yet this rabbi, your leader, the person that you're supposed to be doing things for is getting down in the lowest person's position and washing their feet. And Peter actually reacts very poorly. He says, I don't want you to wash my feet. You don't, like, you're not supposed to be doing this. And he's, he's basically responding, saying, you have to let me cleanse you. You have to let me get rid of this dirt in your life. You have to let me love you so that you can go into this world and love others. You can't refuse to take this. You have to take this. Otherwise, you are not going to be of me. But Jesus gets down, and I think about it. Each person he came to, he didn't have a giant bowl that he was just washing all of them at the same time, intentionally taking the time to wash the feet of each disciple. That would have been shocking to them, that the Son of God is washing my feet because he loves me and he cares for me. And it's a simple, simple thing that he did, but it meant so much. Just like this, this very simple thing, but it meant so much. Jesus does that in our lives. He washes away our sins. He comes down in our brokenness and he loves us where we're at. And he really demonstrates that intentional love because he freely gives it. He doesn't expect anything in return. He just loves us. And he's focused on you personally. And you know what? When we experience that love from Christ, it's forever remembered. It is something that blows our minds. It just is amazing what God can do in our lives and take away our brokenness and our hurt. So I guess the way I want to finish this is, uh, does he still heal the broken? Yes, he does. He pours out his love 
and he runs to the hurting. Yes, he does. I'll let you guys read this last verse. Because I think we have to understand that God did this when we were at our lowest. When we were running from him, he demonstrated his love for us. Yes, he does. Let's close in prayer. And I'm going to have the worship team come up and close in a song. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I am just so thankful for the love that you demonstrate to us. You give us the perfect example of how we're supposed to go into this world and love each other. How we're supposed to love our wives, how we're supposed to love our families. God, let us not drift. Let us not get lax in our way of of pursuing this love to those that are around us. And let us not get lax in our relationship with you, God. Let us love you with all our heart, soul, and mind so that we can go into this world and love this world because that is going to make an impact. That is what's going to be forever remembered is when the love of Christ is experienced by these people in this world. God, I am so thankful that you take our brokenness, our filth, and you wash it away. And I know, God, you wash the disciples' feet, but you wash our feet also. You come down to your level. You sacrifice yourself for us. You freely gave yourself for us because you loved us. Thank you so much, Jesus, and who you are. Let us not take it for granted. Let us not minimize it, but let us go and demonstrate that love to those around us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com, and hit the Give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.